0: Hello and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare and I'll be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depths of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. Today we will try and answer some common questions surrounding the first 10 episodes. This will be a wide-ranging podcast focused on one or two questions from each episode that will hopefully provide some added insight and clarity. I hope you enjoy today's discussion and here we go. All right, joining me today, I have Ben Brezina. Hey, Ross. Hey, And Mark Fields. Hey, Ross. And Jamie Ferris-Piles. Hey. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Good. All right, like I said in the intro, we're going to run through some questions for each of the first 10 episodes. Um, and so we're going to start with session one or episode one, Concept of God. So that's a few weeks back. We can jog our memory on that one. But Ben, a question was submitted that said this, and I'll have you answer it. Uh, it says, how can we reconcile that God is love when he seems so angry and
1: harsh in the Old Testament? How would you answer that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a good question. Hard mm-hmm. one right off the <laughs> bat there. Yeah. They, I think definitely, you know, we got to settle this issue about whether or not God is love, because if we're going to have a relationship with him, that's of utmost importance. What is God like? And as we've already talked in the earlier podcast and in our session, if you've studied it, that God is love. And it, it talks about that in verse John. And we see that love in Christ, which I think in order to answer this question, we have to look and say, what is it we're defining as love? Mm. And I think we talked about that it's that agape love, which is unconditional itself for others. So God is always concerned about others. And it's not just one person. He's concerned about the whole world. Mm-hmm. And so when you go back into the Old Testament and we see all this, as the question said, anger and wrath or Anger and harshness, I I think the question said, you have to look at each individual, you know, like there's, there's Sodom and Gomorrah getting mm-hmm. judged. There's the flood where yeah. the whole earth is wiped out. There's Egypt, the plagues on Egypt. There's the Canaanites getting wiped out. There's Assyria. There's all this stuff. And I mean, if you want to look at where it's in your face, you'd read the book of Nahum, and it talks about the coming judgment that God is angry and he's going to judge mm-hmm. the Assyrians. But I think you have to step back and and say, is anger opposite of love? Mm, yeah, good. And I don't think you can say that anger is the opposite of love. Anger just shows what's important to us. So in each of these situations, I think we need to go back and study, you know, what was God angry about? What was he judging? Mm. You know, if, if somebody raced my daughter, I'm going to get angry and you wouldn't blame me for getting angry. That's something that's wrong that needs to be rectified, mm-hmm. you know? And, and if you don't get angry about injustice, then there's people look at you and say, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's the anger that God shows. Hmm. What does he get angry about? He gets angry about people mistreating other people. Yeah. You know, the injustice that's done to orphans and widows. And he gets angry about the murder when people murder. and He And he gets angry about people that go after other gods. He definitely gets angry about that. Yeah. And, and in order to understand that, I think you have to take a step back. And God's not a person like you or and I are a person. And so if I'm like this girl and she doesn't like me, you know, is my anger justified for uh, she doesn't like me? <laughs> God, it's not like that with God. He's the creator. He made us for himself. Yeah. And any time we go after another god, it's destroying ourselves and the society. I mean, some of those gods back then, Chemosh, they would, and Molech, they would offer their babies. These, yeah, these yeah. babies were sacrificed to the, to these gods. And and there was prostitution, rampant prostitution to the, some of the fertility uh, worship. And those poor women that were mm-hmm. enslaved in that and employed in that, what, what about them? So there's all this problems that come with worshiping false gods, and so there's really a beauty to his anger against Mm. unrighteousness, so to speak, if you define it as injustice and what people are doing to one another. That's what he gets angry about in the Old Testament, and I think you can say that that's compatible with a heart that wants the best, not just for one person, but for everybody. Yeah, great. Mm
2: -hmm. It's interesting, too. uh, The question said, "Why, why does God seem so? angry and harsh. And if you have a concept of God, which we talked about in session one, mm-hmm. that is a harsh or angry or distant God, you're going to see that in most of these scenes, and that's how you're going to interpret that. And I had that concept growing up myself, and it didn't help seeing the movie Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston and all mm-hmm. the booming voices and how the scripture is read in this authoritarian voice. And so I had that concept in my mind, and all my Sunday school teachers would also, you know, script that for me. But as I understood God's love, and it's been said, love is behind the anger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the consequence and the justice that's coming. But now I see so much love in the Old Testament. Not that I'm going to reinterpret some of those verses and some of those passages sure. that are very clearly sure. just and judging, but um, I see so many verses that talk about his wonderful love and pursuit of us.
1: Mm-hmm. I think, you know, in the middle of it, we have to remember that Scripture teaches, God says this about himself to Moses, and Scripture in the Psalms and in the prophets reinforces the fact that God's slow to anger. So we read about the story of the judgment of Egypt because they've enslaved the people of Israel right after they went into slavery. But you have to think 400 years, (laughs) the people of Israel were in there 400 years. And then God sent Moses to confront them and say, do the right thing. Let these people go. You're enslaving them and, and, and holding them in bitter. So he sent people to warn them. He sent Jonah to Nineveh to the Assyrians, saying that judgment is coming. So he's slow to get angry. That, to me, shows that he cares about all. But at the end of the day, there is a day of judgment where the judge of the earth enforces justice. Sure. And I think that's a picture that's showed over and over again. And you don't see it as much in the New Testament because Jesus took the wrath. Mm, exactly. For everyone that believed, he absorbed that. And so there's no more wrath for those that are in Christ. And so we don't have to talk about that. Although the New Testament authors say that, hey, there's still a day of the Lord coming. And that's at the very end when Jesus comes back. But Peter says the reason it's taken him so long to come back is because he's patient, he's slow to anger, and he's not willing for anyone to perish.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people will separate the Old and New Testament and see it as two different gods. You know, like there's the angry God and then there's the loving God. But like you just brought up, I think it's a really important point that there's the dividing line of the cross and the resurrection and what Jesus did, which really just shows how much Jesus took for us, the burden and the punishment and the harshness and the anger was all born on him. And so still the same God, it's just now we have a mediator, someone who bore that for us, so so it keeps it the same. All right, uh, let's move on to session two, Design of Humanity. And Jamie, I'm going to ask you this one. Um, The question was submitted that said, how do we know God hears our prayers? How would you answer that?
3: Okay, so first, let's talk about what prayer is. Yeah. Because uh, if you've been raised in a traditional home, depending on where you are in your walk with God, you may have been taught that prayer is this formal You know, Mm -hmm. request, and you may have some nervousness about uh, approaching God in prayer. But basically, prayer is just conversation Mm. with God. And we shouldn't have any nervousness about conversing with anyone. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you've got a best friend, you don't have a problem talking to him. So let's start with prayer is a conversation with God. And we know that depending on how you read the Word, we just mentioned, you've got an Old Testament, you've got a New Testament, you've got an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. Mm-hmm. And in the Old Testament, there were verses that said, okay, if you sin, God won't hear that prayer mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Yeah. But that's exactly why we have to discern the two, because we are under a New Covenant. All right. And so our sins have been forgiven, washed totally clean. As yep. far as the East is from the West, they aren't keeping God from hearing us. Mm-hmm. But I would purport that that is sort of a way of God saying, Look at my relationship with you. Under the old covenant, it was if you do this, then I will do that. Mm-hmm. But God, like we said before, doesn't change. Mm -hmm. And I think about the Old Testament, even one of the first things that really impressed me was when Cain, who had just killed his brother, Mm -hmm. cries out to God, oh no, this curse that's on me, everyone's going to come after me. God hears him Mm. and puts a protection on him. Mm. So if God can't hear us because of our sin, what was he doing listening to Cain? Hmm. You know, if God can't hear our prayers, what was he doing sending Jesus down here to love on us and hug on us, hmm. you know, in the, in the flesh, physically? So I don't think it's that God can't hear our prayers. Hmm. I believe it depends on what Christ has done for us. Hmm. And I do believe that he hears our prayers,
2: Interesting, if he couldn't hear a sinner praying, how would they ever come into his kingdom if he never heard their
1: first request? I think that thought process, though, does come from some scriptures, right? Mm -hmm. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, The Lord's far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. And then Isaiah, which we use in, in the Living in Jesus study, that says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face so that he does not hear. You know, and I think that's a distinct, that is a distinction. Like Jamie was saying, it's not so much that he doesn't hear the words coming out of your mouth, but he knows where your heart is Mm, and it's not like you're going to have an intimate relationship when your heart is hard and there's a disconnection between you and him in that sense. You're going in different directions. So I think it's not a technical thing, but uh, as far as our hearing our prayers, definitely because of Christ, I think, as Jamie said the Bible says in Hebrews we can boldly approach the throne of grace for help in time of need. And it comes down to this is what the Scripture says. Those who are in Christ can talk intimately with God, and he hears and responds. And then it comes, are we going to believe it? Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly, yeah, that's yeah. what it comes down to. And
3: also, we, I mean, we do know that God is looking on the heart, and he wants to direct our hearts and our thoughts and our minds toward what is best. We know in James, James said, well, if you're asking for something and you're not hearing or you're not getting it, you're asking with wrong motives, mm. you know? So there are times when we're looking inward and we're being fleshly minded mm-hmm. that God is going to say, whoa, 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 now that one, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. but it's not a, I'm not going to answer your prayer. It's a, let's redirect, you know, he's always going to speak to where's our motive and is it aligned with his love and his mind. So hmm. there are times when he says, mm, you might not get that prayer answered, but he always answers and gives us what's best.
0: Yeah. Uh, the question is, how do we know? God hears our prayers. So, you know, Scripture says that it does, but again, like Ben says, it comes back to us believing that the Scripture is actually true. But then also I think we have to— one of the pitfalls people fall into is looking at their circumstances to determine whether God's hearing them or not. And it can't be based off of their circumstances because you could ask for something or pray for something, and then the circumstances end up being one way, right? And we're like, okay, well, God didn't hear me, or God doesn't care about what I'm saying. Whereas, you oh, I've know... we have got
3: a great story about yeah, that. Yeah, go ahead. If you know the story of Corrie Timboom mm-hmm. and she's been put in a prisoner of war camp. Yep. I mean, the, the Nazis put her away for hiding the Jews. And she said while they were in camp, their particular housing unit had fleas, just fleas, fleas, fleas. And they kept crying out to God, please, please remove these fleas. Well, then... After the war, she went around talking about God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, sharing that to bring unity back into uh, the countries that had been war-torn. And someone came up to her, uh, one of the SS officers, someone who had been in the know in those camps and said, you know, I remember you. I remember that building Mm. that you were in. We men wouldn't go in there because of the fleas. Hmm. So that has resonated with me. When things don't always look like I'm getting what I'm asking for, I know my prayer is still being heard. And I have to look beyond what I can physically see going on Hmm. and trust the heart of my father that he's got something going on there. And I've heard so, so many stories where someone looked at the circumstances and mm-hmm. said, yikes, I yep. don't believe God's heard me yet, yep. and turns around, and that was exactly mm. what they needed to happen. Yep.
1: Another barrier other than those circumstances and not seeing what we need is, I think, our feelings. I mean, mm-hmm. I know myself I've felt it, it, at certain times praying that my prayers just hit the ceiling. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I feel, Yeah. you know, yeah. and it comes down to that you know what's the truth here is is God's word truth, mm-hmm. or is my or are my feelings the truth? Because maybe I didn't feel the the warmth or, or mm-hmm. tingle or something that I was looking for at the time. I just felt uh, burdened, you yeah. know, and that burden wasn't released. And so I felt like they were, but that doesn't mean that he that he doesn't hear. That's just how I was feeling. So I think that's yeah. that's you know knowing is knowing the truth, and then you know, stepping out on that, even when the feelings may not match up. Yeah.
0: And uh, one more thing on that, and then we can go to the next question. But I think it's also important to know that sometimes we feel like we're praying when you said it's hitting the ceiling, made me think of this, is we're praying to this God that's out there, you Hmm. know. Hmm. But since that's not what we need to do anymore, we're indwelt by Christ. We're indwelt by the Spirit. God's inside of us. Like, He can't help but hear us. You know, He is fused with us. We're one Spirit with Him. And so there's no doubt he hears us because we're fused to him. And that is different from the Old Testament where they didn't have that, where they were going to the temple and the tabernacle and having to send prayers up and have a high priest mediate for them and all those types of things. So it is different, but there's no doubt that God hears us because he's fused himself with us. We are one. He He knows everything. You know, he hears everything we talk about. Mm. So on the flip side of that, the Bible says that God speaks to us. So the first one was asking, well, I you know, how do I know God hears me? But what if I've never heard from God? How do I wrestle with that? How do I understand that I've, if I've never heard from God, Jamie?
3: Well, you answered it when you said uh, we are one in yeah. spirit <laughs> with him. That was, uh, I was going to um, say that. But we also know we do have confidence. We can come boldly before the throne. All those four verses that tell us that. But again, I believe that everyone, everyone, there is no person that hasn't heard or can't hear from God. I believe it comes from practice. Uh, in talking to him. It comes from practice in waiting and listening. I think so many times we are just so eager to get our request out there and then we don't take the time to sit and be still and Mm -hmm. just listen so that we do learn his voice. Paul told us we have the mind of Christ Mm -hmm. so that we can know that he's speaking to us and we know When we hear the enemy's voice, Mm -hmm. for sure, um, I'm often confronted with, okay, that wasn't a good thought, Mm -hmm. okay? And I know that now understanding that that thought wasn't generated by me, I can know that that wasn't my thought. Mm. Well, the Bible says all good things come from God, and if we have the mind of Christ, if I'm going to have a good thought, I would say it's from him.
0: Exactly, yeah.
2: You know, um, I think the, the question was posed from a position of having an idea of what it means to hear from God. Mm. And they're thinking audible voice. Yeah, exactly. Right. S- yeah, good. A, a very conscious impression or something. Mm-hmm. But Romans 1 says the whole universe has heard from God. Mm. He declared his glory. And they're without excuse of knowing God saying, I'm here. Mm-hmm. The sunset, these mountains, I'm here. I'm right here. Mm. And so that's one way of hearing from God. And if this person who's asking this, which I have asked myself, have you ever just been out in, in nature? And just been overwhelmed. You don't even know why. you got goosebumps or something. <laughs> or saw a little creature that was so complex and unique. That just wowed you. Yeah, That was God speaking to you. You heard from God. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's in just the natural world and, the, and that environment. But as a Christian, if a person was ever moved in a sermon, ever read a verse that jumped out of the page exactly. at them, and, or ever had a person encourage them, and they just all
1: of a sudden they're just calmed down that day because that person was there, they heard from God. Mm-hmm. So It's a common question, I think, and... You know that's why we added that chapter the the 20th chapter I think it's number 11 now it's intimacy with God and it goes through a whole listing in the study of all the different ways that God speaks definitely nature is one of those
0: yeah absolutely Awesome all right well let's move on let's go to session 3 uh, the needs of humanity and Mark, I'll, uh, I'll start with you on this one. A question was submitted that said, the Bible says God meets all our needs. How can I see that happening in my life?
2: Okay, interesting question. Good question. question. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Philippians 4.19 does say, my God shall supply all your needs yep. according to his riches. But the phrase, how can I see... Mm -hmm. That happened in my life already puts us in the temporal world, in the material world, and my indicators are my five senses and my feelings Mm -hmm. of whether that's happening or not. Mm -hmm. But I can answer that at the very basic level of biological needs, and yes, you can see that. Look down at your stomach. Is it rising and falling? Your diaphragm is working air in and out of your body. That's God supplying your air needs, your oxygen needs. Are you alive today? Can you wiggle your finger? Your fingers? You have enough water, you've had enough sleep. And so he's providing the biological needs, and that is something we can see. Mm. And when it gets to the inner psychological slash spiritual needs and all of that, that, that's the harder one to actually see as an indicator, unless yeah. you can go to a mirror and you look at yourself and you say, that's what peace looks like. Mm-hmm. That's what fulfillment looks like. That's what you can see, but that's rarely the case. What yeah. you're um, measuring that by is, what are my emotions? Mm, and yeah. I feeling His supply of my, um, my worries, my anxieties, my fears? And so how can I see that? I hate to put it in the negative way, but one way to see it is the absence of disappointment, discouragement, fret, frustration, anxieties, Mm. and such an irritation. If you don't have those, then God is supplying your needs, and then he's supplying the love and joy and peace and gentleness in your life. Mm. And so if you're looking to your sensory perceptions and your emotions to measure or indicate whether he's meeting your needs, you're going to be thrown off course a lot of times. And as Ben said earlier, we can't go by our feelings and our emotions. And so it's a trust God. The peace isn't here yet, and I'm coming to you again. And he said, I'll keep in perfect peace he, the one whose mind has stayed on me, Isaiah 26, 3, however mm-hmm. that words. Yeah. And the person just has to believe, God, I have your peace. You're supplying it, even though I'm not consciously aware of it yet because my mind is still racing. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to keep my mind stayed on that fact, and I'm going to know that even before the evidence comes to me, you're already supplying it. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that Mark hits a good point there at the end, that there isn't kind of an active role that we play in meeting our needs. God's meeting our needs, but it's not like... I mean, you have to go to bed and get in and go to sleep. You know, you have to raise the food and put it in your mouth. God's Mm. providing the food. Jesus broke the bread and gave thanks, but then he put it in his mouth, right? Mm. And it nourished his body. It's the same with our inner needs. God's more than enough provision in Christ to say, you're valuable. You're my beloved son. You belong to me. But we still have to feed on those words. Mm. Uh, Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So there is that active part. And so it's not just like we're, we're just these blobs where God's injecting us with all this stuff. It's a partnership. He meets our needs in relationship and we're engaging in that relationship. And so seeing that happen in our life involves some, some fixing our mind. Yeah. You know? yeah. And a receptive posture mm-hmm. that is looking for the need. Yeah.
3: And I think too, a lot of people get confused about the difference between a need and a want. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so let's ask ourselves when that comes, is this something I want, that I desire, that I feel I'm lacking? Or is the need really being met? And like you said, Mm. looking for it to be met, a lot of times it's being met. Mm. And we just aren't paying attention. We aren't noticing that it's being met. But I really think it's critical to ask ourselves: is what I'm asking for something that I need? Because if I need it, he has already said he's supplied it.
1: That's a great point, Jamie. In fact, this last week, somebody asked me to pray for them to have a wife because they said they needed a wife. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, let's talk about that. There was people that weren't married in the Bible. Were they going without? You know, Jesus himself was not married. So, yeah, that's, that's a great. Why, and what mm-hmm. do we consider a need and why do we consider it? You know, is yeah. it, it could be a misplaced God in our life. And then there's a the concept of look for the gift instead of the giver. And we're so
2: focused on this relief from my pain or this outcome or this escape from whatever that we forget that He wants relationship yeah. and He wants us to just run to Him.
0: Great. Okay. All right, let's keep going. Let's go to session four then, um, Purpose of Humanity. And, Jamie, you're going to have this one. It was a question submitted that says, Is it glorifying to God when we do good deeds?
3: Okay, so I often wonder why people are asking that question. Mm-hmm. What's driving that? Are they looking for reward? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the one thing that comes into our mind. Why do people do good deeds? If the deed is prompted by the Spirit, well, of course, it's gonna glorify God. God, mm. we're told by Paul in Ephesians 2, 10 that we are God's workmanship created for the good deeds that He to do them that He has already planned, yeah. mm-hmm. had in mind for us. So we know there are good deeds that He has planned for us and He wants us to do. But where is our mindset? If uh, they're done in the flesh, and Paul talks about this again in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, okay, you build on any other foundation than Jesus Christ, and uh, it's gonna be burned up. And I, I believe that when we get to heaven, this is just me personally, based on this verse, that he wants us to know you're not coming in heaven with any flesh. Mm -hmm. you're not, you're going to know all of those things that you did within your power and yourself and your flesh, they're going to be burnt up. You'll be saved. You'll be good. That's what the verse says. You're okay. But I don't want you coming in here, not understanding that every good thing I planned for you to do. And, and Paul said, I I labor, but it's within his strength, his Mm -hmm. might, yeah. that I do these things. So yes, I agree. I do believe that it's glorifying to God because he created us to glorify him as that masterpiece work that does those good deeds. Hmm. Yeah.
1: When you talk about good deeds, then th- I think, well, what is a good deed? Mm-hmm. You know, and this gets to some of what you're saying where it, and it comes from where it's rooted in. I think of, of Jesus to the rich young ruler, he said, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. And he was trying to get him to recognize who Jesus was. But yeah. with that said, if there, if it's truly a good deed, it's a God deed. And that means it's done in love, which is there's no selfish motive. And I think anything that's tainted with selfishness is not going to glorify God. It Only his life flowing through us, which is love. So anything that's selfless coming out of us, because we love God or love other people it will glorify him the bible calls that shining light mm-hmm. let mm-hmm. your light so shine before men that they'll see your good deeds and glorify your father who's in heaven
2: yeah yeah interesting um i guess phrase good deeds mm-hmm. hard to say what that is because a man may give a billion dollars to feed the hungry in 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 Africa or India or something, but if they've been doing that just for their own sense of altruism or, or just being a good human, that draws attention to the goodness of man mm. and the you know and the generosity of this person. So it's a good deed, but it never glorified God.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, all three of you focused on the definition of that because mm-hmm. it is. I mean, there's so many. It's a fluid definition in the world of mm. what a good deed is. You know, depending on who it is, when it is, where it's done, all that kind of things. But. The only time it can actually be qualified as a good deed is when it's done, as you said, Jamie, by the leading of the Spirit. Awesome. Okay, let's go to session five, the two trees. And uh, we've got a few questions here, Ben, submitted. So let's start with uh, the first one. Uh, We went over the two aspects, the two systems that are included in the two trees. Uh, obviously represented by the two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And one of those two systems was achieving versus receiving. So the question based on that one is, is it bad to set goals to achieve?
1: When I saw this question, I remembered having a lunch with a young pastor. He was a youth pastor, but he wanted to be a pastor of a big church someday. Hmm. And I remember him looking at me in the eye and he said, Ben, I'm very ambitious. And I remember just the the warning light going on. <laughs> Ambition is there's something I want to achieve really bad. Yeah. And the underlying danger is why do we want to achieve? Yeah. So if we think achieving is going to bring us life or peace or joy or meet some inner need, then it's going to be a worthless goal. We're going to achieve it and find that it's empty. Yeah. And so there's nothing wrong with achieving things. I mean, Paul was ambitious, but he was ambitious with the ambition that God put him. I mean, he's like, I want to go to Spain. I want to get it all the gospel all the way in my lifetime with my mouth, Mm -hmm. and I want to build on new foundations. And that was very ambitious, but it had nothing to do with his own success, meeting his own needs, making his own name great. And so when I think about setting goals to achieve the, the whole thing that makes it good or bad again is our motive underlying it. Mm-hmm. If we're doing it for our own glory, for our own fleshly desires, so we can get our needs met, it's going to be meaningless. And as Jamie said the last, it's going to be burned up. So mm-hmm. it, there's definitely something wrong with th- that type of mm-hmm. ambition. Yeah. You know, I, I think about, you know, my own football career. I mean, I saw my dad, he was a professional football player. People wanted his autograph. They wanted to interview him on TV. He had all this glory. And I saw that as a kid. And I said, I want that same thing. Right. And so there was an ambition in me. And as I entered high school, I worked hard and I experienced a little success until I got injured and uh, that was taken away. But all that, all that ambition was purely selfish motive because I wanted the same glory that uh, my dad had. Mm. And I think the, about that contrasted with the, the runner, Eric Little. And I saw that movie, Chariots of Fire. And I remember his sister getting on to him saying he was wasting what God had given him and his mission in life, which was to take the gospel to China. And he's like, Yeah, but God also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. That is a pure motivation to run and, and compete. He was just enjoying God in that moment and doing something that God had made him for. Mm. And so there's nothing wrong with having goals as far as that goes. But if your motive is is off to glorify yourself, then, yeah, it's bad. Mm.
2: Yeah. I want to weigh in on that one, too. I'm a life coach, and so I run into goals a lot, and I have hmm. to really take the time to explain what this process is, because hmm. God is a God of goals. His goal is that the whole earth will be filled with His glory, yeah. Yeah. and He has plans to get there and such. And I think He made us to, if, I don't know if the word achieve is right, but to be fulfilled and in, in bearing fruit and to seeing expressions and growth and such. Hmm. Um, but... All too many people have goals for the wrong ambition, the wrong reason, hmm. because when they get there, that will meet a need, that'll prove that I'm smart, that'll make me feel respected, hmm. or it's from the wrong source. I don't know. I just got to do this because I'm just dissatisfied. And so I always ask them, did this goal come from the heart of God? And what will you have at the end of this goal? Hmm. Still got Jesus. You had him all through. So just enjoy the journey and go hmm. where he's leading.
0: Yeah. I'm always uh, reminded of a video we show around here of uh, Tom Brady, I think after he won his fifth or fourth or fifth Mm -hmm. Super Bowl. And just the interviewer was basically saying like, are you happy? Do you feel like you've achieved it? And, you know, he's a millionaire, married to a beautiful woman, Super Bowl champion, all the things that the world would say is the pinnacle. And, you know, you could just tell by even his answer that he wasn't fulfilled, wasn't satisfied, wasn't. Hadn't found, you know, even though all the achieving boxes had been checked off, there was no satisfaction, no fulfillment, no peace. And because that means there's nothing in the world that can bring that fulfillment and contentment to you, no matter how much you achieve or, you know, succeed in life. It's because we're designed to receive from God. And that's what's going to bring that fulfillment and that peace and joy in our lives is that receiving from God. So anyways, the next question would be contrast to the freedom versus bondage. So the question says, the Bible says we are set free, but it also says we are slaves of righteousness. How is that freedom? Ben?
1: Yeah, so freedom, you know, when you say think freedom, you have, you're have you thinking freedom from something, mm-hmm. right? You were, you were in some situation, and now you've been set free. So I think in order to clarify what the freedom that we have is, is what does the Bible say we're free from? Yeah. And the Bible says clearly we're free from sin both the consequences of our sin and the of having to sin mm. so that that's a qualifying statement right there we're free but we're free from sin and we're free from having to pay the consequences of our own sin another thing the bible says we're free from is from having to keep the law in order to gain our own righteousness mm-hmm. so we're free in that sense of to the law but You know, that doesn't mean we're free to do whatever we want. The flesh wants to do. Mm. That's that's what it's saying. so it qualifies, the scripture itself qualifies our freedom. So we've been set free so that we could be restored, humanity could be restored to the purpose for which we were designed, which is to love God. Mm. And love is tied to obedience. God loves us, and he's never going to ask us to do something that's not in the best interest of us and everyone else around us. And so that, that freedom is freedom, Paul categorizes it as a slavery. In other words, you're slave to the one that you obey. Either you're doing your own selfish thing, which is sin, you're a slave to that, or you're doing what God wants, which is a slave to God.
3: I was just thinking about the Bible says that we are compelled. And I had someone that didn't understand. They thought in different terms of being compelled. And I said, well, compelled means be almost forced to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we are compelled by love now rather than fear, rather than guilt. Mm -hmm. Those things don't compel us anymore. And so there's freedom in being compelled towards righteousness is a different Aspect than being compelled by fear or by by law or by guilt or by shame mm. and doing those things. Now it's a want to, not a have to. Yeah, and that's the difference in receiving and living out in that freedom. Yeah,
1: there's a concept in the Old Testament of a bond servant, and that's a that's a slave who has been set free, but life was good for them and they want to stay and be a slave. So they willingly offered themselves as a slave and then they would have to go and have their, and all run through their, their ear into a doorpost to mark the fact that they had agreed to, hmm. to this bond servant. But that's how Paul defined himself as a bond servant. And so you have this idea that what, well, what would make somebody want to come back and, and be a slave to somebody hmm. is love you realize how much we've been loved and how much we've been reconciled and, and how much uh, he's given to us, and that compels us hmm. to want to present our bodies as a living sacrifice for him. Hmm. Yeah, that whole term slave confuses
2: us and mixes I it up. But by that Old Testament establishment, and Paul is talking about this is now a bond slave, a love slave. Hmm. And we think a slave is someone who's told to do something against his will. Yeah. But this is someone who loves doing it, and they're attached to this. And in, in Romans 6, where this comes up, he talks about you were a slave to sin. You loved doing it. You were attached to it. You were compelled to do it. And that was your nature. And, of course, Romans 6 explains the change of nature in us. Mm-hmm. But now your whole nature and what you love to do is righteousness. Yeah. And we just need to realize that's what I really want to do mm-hmm. is righteousness.
0: Exactly. Yeah, great. Awesome. Okay, and the last one in this session, question says, How can I be in God's will? If I mess up and take the wrong job, choose the wrong spouse, choose the wrong house, buy the wrong car, cetera, etc, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera mm-hmm. how can I be in God's will if I mess it up
1: yeah i mean that's a that's a good question i I think back in my life and in my early years were spent focused on those type of things, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the wrong, that's the wrong focus, the stuff the people the, when the Bible talks about the will of God, yep. it talks about uh, matters of our heart and what his will is for our heart. You know, so he wants us this is the will of God that you give thanks in all circumstances, mm-hmm. right? It, the circumstances are going to be all around, but the will is that wherever you're at, you give thanks. Mm-hmm. Or this is the will of God that you be sanctified mm-hmm. or that you don't commit sexual impurity. Mm-hmm. The, these are all things that are disconnected from you know, which house, God, is it this street or this street that I'm supposed to live on? Mm -hmm. Now, definitely in the Old Testament, and the New Testament, you see God sending people to different places to do different things at different times, but it all is supposed to flow out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be a given that if you're working on pursuing Christ and relationship and doing these things that he's working in, in you, you're participating with that then he's then when you hear him you'll lead him. Hmm. Now the question is what about all the stuff that I haven't done and I'm not in the will because I'm married to this person that's not a believer and the Bible clearly says you start today. Right? Hmm. And then you go forward walking with him and hearing his voice and uh, you can be in the will of God even if you've messed up in the past because God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. Mm-hmm. It may not have been uh, the best scenario, and you may be experiencing consequences of the decisions you made, but you can still experience his abundant life moving forward today if we're walking in that love relationship with him, listening to his voice and, and operating under his direction.
0: Yeah.
3: And when we talk about this, I think what comes into play is our fear of choice or our fear that we don't have a choice mm, one or the other. And I think back to the garden and I think about Adam and Eve, when God put them in there, he said, just that one tree. Mm. Well, there were probably thousands of trees and, yeah. and all kinds of things to enjoy. And as a parent, I know when I look at my kids, I love seeing the choices that they make. I love seeing what makes them choose by their different personalities. Mm-hmm. So I think God has said he's given us this beautiful world, and there are many, many choices mm. that we can make that are within his ultimate will because his ultimate will for us was Jesus Christ. Exactly, yeah. And we got him. Yep.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Great. And some people have a very real... Um, Option, or the real situation from I, this job mm-hmm. or another child mm-hmm. or this place to live. And what I found in working with people is fear has really limited them. I'm afraid if I make the wrong choice, then I'm further away from God or he's less pleased with me. Mm-hmm. And that's going to block, I guess, the, the free flow of, of his wisdom mm-hmm. and that enjoyment there. And so I, I, I tell them either choice is going to be okay with God, as Ben said. He's... He's serious about the relationship. Yeah. Dependency on him is his, his his will. Thanksgiving to him and enjoying what he's doing in the process. Because if you're afraid of the wrong choice and you sense a distance from God, um, then that's going to stop your ability to see it as he sees it. Yeah. Um, don't get me started on the phrase, the center of God's will either. No, we, <laughs> <laughs> we won't even go there. You know, I, think,
1: I think about when you were talking, I was thinking about that verse and Micah 6 8 that says he had told you oh man what is good mm. and what does the lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly with your god and where is you know what country to live in and car and stuff I, that's the that should be our focus and if you haven't done that in the past if i haven't done that in the past we can start today walking humbly just means you're dependent on him mm. and and going where he leads and directs and for some people, they get a word from the Lord when they're young. You're going to be doing this. You know, my brother, my older brother, he, he's a doctor. When he was young, he, he said God told him he's going to be a doctor. And so he set his sights on that, and he went and, been, and me. I'm like, what? I have no idea. <laughs> and the way God's I'm led me. I'm still waiting. Yeah, <laughs> God, the way that God's led me is step by step, yeah. day by day. You know, he's led me, in, and my path looks different then I could even imagine back then. I mean, this whole the whole things with the international that we've done here in the last few years, I didn't see that one coming, but God led me in that. So that's been my path. And I think if we pursue him, then that stuff will take care of itself. It'll become evident. There'll be a doors open. And when you're not supposed to go, the doors will be shut as long as we're listening to him.
0: I think the follow-up question I would have for that uh, about your brother and being a doctor is, because this question I think gets at this point is, Well, okay, so God revealed to him early on that he was going to be a doctor. What if your brother had chosen otherwise and chosen not to be a doctor? Where does that leave him with, I'm using quotations here, but God's will, right? And I think that's kind of the question is what if we we hear from God, this is what I want, this is what I've made you for, and we go the
1: opposite direction. What then? I think that you're never beyond hope i mean romans tells us that there's no condemnation for those that are in christ so yeah. yes you may have missed out on some way that god wanted to bless you and others by not going that path when you had a clear direction but you're forgiven and you can start today and you still can be useful to him as you as we walk humbly with him today And that's all we have. We don't have the past. We can't go back and fix anything. And he's not condemning us for what we've done. He's forgiven our sins. You know, that's just one more sin. And yes, we may have missed out, but to live in regret is not going to help you be more motivated to not do it in the future. The motivation's got to be love and that love relationship that Jamie was talking about. And my counsel would be just love them today. Mm-hmm. And submit to him today. Walk humbly with him today, and he's got more good in store for you. Mm-hmm. It may not look like what would have happened if you were obedient in that, and you don't, you don't see his provision in that. But today you can see it, mm-hmm. and he's not saying he's never going to use you again because you have sinned in the past. Right? Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together. Yeah. Even
2: and, wrong choices. Yeah.
3: And you've got to remember, God's not surprised. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. knew. He saw. Mm-hmm your end. And he said mm-hmm. he would complete the good work exactly. that he began in you. So somehow he is still going to use you. And uh, like Mark said, you can't make a mistake that he can't overcome. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And I think one of the things that Jamie, that you really said that stuck out, I think is really good to reiterate within this is that God's ultimate will for us is Jesus. Right, so it could you know he could lead us in a direction for a job or a spouse or a house. I mean, he can do that, but ultimately his his will that we know for a fact is Jesus, and that's ultimately that's the ultimate will. That's where you know I know we don't use the center of the will. That's a that's a bad (laughs) phrase, but that is God's will for us is that we know Jesus and accept Him and become one with Him. Everything else. Like you guys said, there's no kind of nation. He can work together for our good. He's never separated from us. He's always there with us no matter what choice we make. The ultimate will of God is Jesus.
1: You know, I think loving God and loving loving each other and Jesus is what enables that. I, yeah. I think about if you married the wrong person, if you knew Scripture says not to be unequally yoked and you knew this person wasn't a believer and you went ahead and married that person anyway you know, Paul addresses that. He says, don't, don't get a divorce. Stay there and Mm -hmm. minister to your spouse as long as they will have you, you know, just keep, that's where you're at. Love God and love others in Mm. the middle. It's almost like, yeah, you may not be in a place that you want and it's because of decisions you've made, but dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness by loving God.
0: All right, guys, we are going to take a pause here. Uh, This was uh, sessions one through five. We're going to take a break and pick it up next uh, episode with part two, answering sessions six through 10. Thank you so much.
2: The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Berzina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all of our free content is made available to you because of the generosity of people from all around the world, people just like you. God bless and see you next week.